You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. There's so much to talk about. What's up, dude? Yeah. How are you? I'm all right, man. I'm glad you're back. First of all, we got the new sign and we got the old sign. So the bar signs, uh, first of all, one bar sign went out. I got that repaired. We've got the other one now that's sitting over my my left shoulder that's brand new to the bar. The bar's got like an even better feel. I love I love every time I add something cool to this bar. So then, when I brought I do that, like I do like that new sign. It's a cool sign, right? Yeah, I mean, I personalize that sign. It kind of like is flat up against the wall. I got to write everything that was in there. The like the basement bar has always been called Lanudi's on 99th because yes. I live on 99th Street on the South Side. And and then what I did is I just I I got the thing custom made. So in neon it says Lanudi's on 99th. It's got two beer glasses like clinking together, and then it says basement bar. It's got the established year, which is the year that I built the nine foot homemade oak bar in my basement, which is 2011. And then, it's, oh, I see that, right? Yeah, and then I, I added in stuff like you know, cold drinks, big laughs, come early, stay late. It's got a dartboard, it's got beer pong I, that was put on that. I couldn't change that. Everybody keeps <laughs> oh, saying, What is that stupid thing in the corner? I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's beer pong. But it's just weird and neon. You can't figure out what it is. Anyway, enough about the sign that none of you can see. <laughs> very soon we're gonna it's have theater of the mind. Right, we're it's gonna theater some, of the mind, Chris. We're gonna add some video very soon to Socks in the Basement. When we do that, you'll be able to see the whole bar. Okay, I've gone out and gotten a wide-angled camera that specifically hooks up to our microphones, so you'll get the quality sound of the podcast, but you'll get video and it'll match up with it perfectly. Very cool. So I'm experimenting with that right now. That'll be new for 2020. I mean, I've got two basic things. I mean, just obviously Grendel follow-up and the Jose Abreu thing. Okay. That's that's kind of where I'm at. All so right. It, well, it, we're, can, we're on the same page. I can, I can tell you're loaded you know, and ready to go today. Okay, well, so. we're on the same page. Let's start off with that kind of stuff, okay? First Sweet. of all, Yasmani Grandel, the four-year deal, it's exactly what James Fox had told us two months earlier when he started floating the idea that this should be the first guy that they go and get. I think he was ahead of the curve on everybody else. James writes for Future Sacks. He writes for several other publications. It, James is the man, and he's been on this show now for over a year, and I think he's one of those guys that covers the White Sox, doesn't really get the access of the other White Sox writers, but seems to really be on point when he's analyzing the team, and that's why we continuously bring him back. So he was dead on with that, and he was right on with how much money it was going to be, and it was excellent that it's something that we talked about that we wanted on this show actually happened. Then you get the Abreu signing that happens right after that. And it he'd already taken the qualifying offer, but for him to take a three-year deal now over 50 million, it's 50 million it's if 50 I'm not mistaken, million, over three, three years. years. I yes. sent you the tweet. How yeah. that? So just so just to clarify how that deal works, he took the 17.8 qualifying offer for next year, 2020. Um, when he took that, it was kind of done with the idea and he and both camps had said it that they were still working on a long-term deal so what had gotten released a couple of days after the Ismani Grandel thing is that uh, Jose Abreu has been extended for two more years past that qualifying offer so essentially it's a 32.2 million dollar extension for 2021 and 2022 so it's not three years on top of the qualifying offer. It is three years total, including the 2020 year uh, 17.8 qualifying offer. Okay. And 
then of course you get the reaction. I believe that the majority of those White Sox fans that are out there liked both of these deals. Yes, but yes, absolutely. Why, why wouldn't you? There has been some criticism, and I'm not talking about criticism from the outside like Christopher Russo on High Heat on the MLB Network, who when he tried to describe the White Sox after the Grandal deal, could not name players on the main roster. Or whatever. Put up a projected lineup that included players that are not going to be playing for the team in 2020. Has no knowledge of anything that has to do baseball-wise that is not located on the East Coast or in Los Angeles. This is why I don't is, watch. This is why I don't watch MLB Network yeah. or ESPN. He is out of town, stupid. That's exactly what I was going to say. Out of town, and if stupid. If you're going to sit there and listen to anything he says about the Chicago White Sox, you're just going to be dumber for it. That man doesn't even understand where this team is and what this team is doing. He has to sit down and learn about the White Sox beforehand before he could speak about them. This, this is why White Sox podcast verse and blog verse is so robust with the amount of people that are doing these things like what we do because mainstream media nobody does covers, a terrible yeah, nobody covers job the team. covering. Yeah, nobody covers the team. But these are the criticisms that I did here. The Grandal deal is one year too long. That criticism came from David Sampson. This is the guy that brought up the Jerry Reinsdorf quote. He's oh, the one who that said, guy. He's the one who said that Jerry Reinsdorf told him to always finish second place. Oh, God. And we said, yeah, probably possible that he says this thing, remember? But it really doesn't matter to me. And he might have been joking, or he could have been just being like a haughty rich guy. Who knows? We were talking about that. But now I see his reaction to Grandal. He rips the White Sox for this deal. In fact, he rips the White Sox right before they show a graphic that shows that, that CBS Sports had Grandal as one of their top five free agents available. And he still rips the White Sox in his in his in his evaluation of things. That guy hates Jerry Reinsdorf from the Chicago White Sox. Another guy I'm crossing off my list of people I'm yes. never going to listen to yes, talk about the White Sox. But here's the big criticism. That Abreu's one year too long, Grandal's one year too long, and you have this log jam now at first base DH catcher. And here's my response to it before you jump into okay, this. Okay, because I have a response. I, I want to see if it matches yours. Okay, one, it's okay to overpay and give an extra year when you're at this point in a rebuild and you have nothing but money to spend. Two, I would rather have a log jam with guys trying to get up into the major leagues than having to count on every single prospect working at the exact time that I need them to work. And three, you improved your team. And there is no issue that I have with having a little bad money on the back end. We said it on this show. When they went after Machado, we said that eighth year of $30 million is probably going to be bad money. Yes. And you're giving 9 and 10 if you want to sign him because we said they should give 9 and 10 and they should have beaten or matched that Padres offer. We were mad at them for not doing it, but 9 and 10 are $30 million each a year of bad money on the Machado deal. That's $90 million of bad money over three years, and you have a problem with $18 million of possibly bad money on a Abreu's back end after all that he... I mean, that is the stupidest thing. Those people that say that are just looking for something to be angry about right now a couple of couple of reactions to that so i agree with you i do not think i like this you agree with me i do no i do (laughs) i don't think either deal is too long and i'm going to tell you why these guys are both uh grandal and uh abreu 31 and 33 respectively okay you might be off a year on on but i think no i think you're dead on with that actually okay yeah so you're basically getting these guys until their year 35 year and their year 36 year respectively. Right. Um, in either case, there are plenty of effective players at those ages, plenty of effective players in those ages. 
in either case, you have options with either of them at at DH. We know with catchers, they have a little bit they have a little bit shorter shelf life because of the knees go because of what they're doing. Right. So I can t- I could definitely see Grendel being uh you know DH in that fourth year, especially if you don't have the overlap with Jose Abreu. Uh, the other thing too is giving either of these two guys four years and three years respectively in their early thirties when they're still very much in the prime of their careers and there are plenty of effective players in their mid thirties in in major league baseball. This is not a Brent Seabrook deal where you're giving a guy who's 32 years old, six more years with absolutely no flexibility for the team on the contract. That is bad money. I do not see that as being this type of deal. I see that as you're going to still get productivity of some kind out of these guys in their in the last years of their contract. The other thing that I keep hearing that I just I I I keep strongly disagreeing with and I said it a couple of weeks ago is the argument that you keep getting diminishing returns on Jose Abreu. And other than the batting average, okay? I do not see it. Yes, the batting average was down this year. It's it was in the 260s, but the man still hit you over 30 home runs. The man still hit you over 100 RBIs. I, I think I think was, RBI is kind of a dumb stat because it just depends on who's on base before you. But it yeah, depends on who's it's on still base. valuable. But it's you know, but a team it means you still have to get the hit when the guys are on base. You still have to get the hit right. when the guys are on base. But it's still the power numbers. There's the productivity is still there. So I, other than average, I don't necessarily see you know diminishing returns on Abreu. I think this is a great deal. I think three years. When we talked about signing Abreu, we both said that three years was pretty much what you were going to get out of them as far as a contract wise, what would be reasonable. I have, I have no problem with it. I certainly have no problem with the four year Grindal deal because that's what bit us in the posterior with uh, the Machado thing and a bunch of other free agents It's not necessarily the money. It's the years. So I love that they went that fourth year good on them. They, Chris, they finally they did d- something. They good. did right things. They did yeah. good things. Did this good is things. what I keep saying. This is what I keep saying to you. Like I am not so negative and dark about this team when <laughs> they do good things. When they do good things, I say good things okay. about them. When they do stupid things, I, I take them to task on it. The problem is lately they've just done more stupid thing than good things. And I'm really happy to see good things done. So Fine, final word on the whole Jose Abreu thing and Grandal. Okay. First of all, there's not it's not a big deal to me that Zach Collins may have to, I don't know, mature a little bit before you just thrust him into a bunch of at bats. I'm I'm okay with it. Yes. It's it's not a bad thing if a team comes calling for McCann or even Collins and and you're able to get something great that helps your team because you have so much depth. It's not it's not a bad thing that once those guys force their way in, you want guys to force their way into the lineup, not that you're hoping they're good enough to be in the lineup. You want them to force your hand. When the hand gets forced, you'll gladly, because you're not paying very much for Andrew Vaughn, lose a little bit of money on Jose Abreu and move him into another into a platoon role or he becomes a DH. And then the same thing with Grandal towards the end. If Collins now, after working with a guy that he worked with in college, I mean, these guys, right away, Collins text. Grandal. These guys are friends. He's a mentor for Zach Collins from way back when they were younger. See, I did not know yes, that. I did not know that. another plus to this thing. But then on top of all of that, one final thing I want to tell you. We 
two months ago, took a look at what the White Sox needed to add. We wanted power numbers. We we wanted hitters. And we ranked them all. And we tried to figure out which guys would bring the most home runs, remember this, and had the most wins above replacement that would be free agents. And we put Jose Abreu on the list, and he was in the top five. Yes, he was. Okay, guys that are below him, you tell me whether or not they would sign for less years or less money than what we got Jose Abreu for. Do you think that Marcelo Zuno's signing for less than three years? No. Do you no. think Nick Castellanos is signing for less than three years? Castellanos, not less than three years. Okay. Castellanos, I can see at three years, but okay. definitely not less. Not less than three years, right? No. Okay. No. You, th- you think Cole Calhoun's taking a two-year deal? I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Yeah. I, I mean, unless not, nobody. I mean, unless nobody goes unless after. Unless nobody him. goes after. Here's him. the point. These are the guys that are below him that we had on that list. And you know what? You're going to have to give the three years to get the guy. Stop, stop worrying about it. Be happy. Good things happened. Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the Broadcast Basement with Chris for 10 years, and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the Broadcast Basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BroadcastBasement.com. So the other day, some interesting things started to happen with the White Sox. Let's just talk about the things that have happened because there's smoke. And then let's talk about whether or not it actually means anything for the White Sox. Because remember, the Grandal deal, there wasn't a lot of smoke. There wasn't a lot of, oops, they're doing this, or oops, they're doing that. There, there was just... There was, there was just boom. Just yeah, out, of no, out, out of nowhere. Out of yeah. nowhere, and I like that. But there's a little bit of smoke. First of all, there was a tweet that went out from Metsmerized Online. They're one of those front-leading type fan sites that have some sources within the New York Mets organization. And they said that the White Sox had a highest bidder for Zach Wheeler. John Heyman also backs up this with a tweet. Both of them give the idea, or basically say, that now that Wheeler knows who the top one is, he's circling back to the Mets because he told them what it was. After that happens, Andy Martino, press member for SNY New York covering the Mets and the Yankees, tweets out that Wheeler's going bye-bye. Interesting. The White Sox then release Yomer Sanchez. What's so interesting now about a spot on the 40 well, man. Well, here's what's interesting about how that works. He needs to officially clear waivers. It's about 48 hours or so afterwards that they really get that extra spot. And then finally, Tuesday afternoon into the evening, Future Sox reports that relief pitcher Ryan Burr gets DFA'd. So Burr and Sanchez actually opens up two spots. Now, neither one of those are on the website and have been made official, although I trust Future Sox. I trust if they're saying he's been DFA'd, he's been DFA'd. So plenty of smoke, which possibly means fire. And the fact that they haven't made the DFA official, it might be official in the press release that comes out that says, we signed this guy and we had to DFA this guy. It seems as though the White Sox outbid everybody for Wheeler. Wheeler went back to the Mets and the Mets said, we don't have the money. Go ahead and become a White Sox. The Sox make their move with Sanchez, and then within 12 hours after the White Sox make their move with Sanchez, the Twins are now being reported on national media in the morning by Ken Rosenthal and in tweets that are going out all across the Twitterverse as trying to sign 
one of three pitchers and Wheeler's one of them and they're making a big effort to do it. Either the agent is trying to get every last bit out here by scaring the Sox in the final moments before they can actually sign Wheeler. Or the Twins are really making a push. Or none of this is anything because we've gone through this so many times, including last year, where nothing actually happened. See, the thing that stinks about this is that there's so much talk about it and there wasn't any talk about Grandel. And, I mean, there was a little bit of buzz, but, I mean, not enough, not anything like this. The Sox were not being mentioned as front runners for days on end. The fact that it hasn't happened yet kind of makes me concerned they're going to miss out on it. Yeah, that is a little, because we've seen this happen before, too. So that that is a little concerning. Now, I'm just kind of going through Twitter, like, right now. I, I, you know, I'm not seeing anything about Zach Wheeler. I'm seeing a lot of, you know, farewell Yolmer tweets I mean, Yomer was a good yeah, defensive player. Yeah, like, here's the thing. Yomer yes. was a good defensive player. He was a good teammate. I had nothing personal against Yomer Sanchez. He was good for what he was. But if we're ready to take the next step, you don't pay over six million dollars no. for a guy like Yomer Sanchez. No, you get magical up here. Post haste. Nothing bad to say about Yomer Sanchez. I thought some of his antics were a little goofy, but the team seemed to like it. The 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 fans liked it. I I don't have a bad feeling about Yomer Sanchez, but I'm also, again, that's another move that I'm like, hey, they did the right thing. Good for them. You know? Right. I'm, I'm happy with the direction that they're going in. I'm enjoying this offseason so far, and there's going to be peaks and valleys and ups and downs, and they're going to miss out on players. and They're not going to get everybody that they want. But Zach Wheeler is a guy that I want to get, and I, I've also read people sitting there saying, oh, my gosh. Zach Wheeler, he's not done anything yet. Why are the White Sox so interested in him? Why are they focused on him? Why do they want him? I'm going to break this down in the simplest possible way for White Sox fans. I'm going to use three very comparable White Sox pitchers from an era that we all know and love, 2005. Okay. I would use John Garland, but John Garland's stats are hysterical because except for 2005, he was was not a really good pitcher. No. He was just an average guy that you put at the bottom. He had an exceptional 2005. He was absolutely amazing. But if we look at his stats, it's just going to be comical. I could use his stats to say anybody could turn into a star in any year. That's what I I would use his stats for. Okay, but let's talk about the other three top starters that were on that team. And let's compare them to Zach Wheeler. First of all, we'll look at Wheeler, actually. And I'm just going to look at two very important numbers. His whip, we've talked about whip, walks and hits per innings pitched. I think a good starter has to be below 1.30 for you to be a real major league starter that I'm impressed with. And then your FIP. And and FIP is an interesting stat that I, we've talked a little bit about before, but that's your fielding independent pitching. It's a formula that takes the fielders out of things. So you want a low FIP. And if you want a low FIP, you want your FIP to be kind of close to what your your ERA is. That kind of indicates that everything is going right with a guy. If a guy's having a great year and his FIP's high, that might mean that his fielders were, were bailing him out. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay? So, looking at Zach Wheeler, he's got a FIP in the threes over the last two years. 3.25, 3.48. And I know he's had some injury issues from time to time, but let's also remember he did start 29 games and 31 games over the last two years. If you look at those numbers, his mid-threes FIP, 3.25, 3.48, and his whip of 1.124 and 1.259, he matches what I would say is a pitcher I want on my staff. He matches a good pitcher on my staff. A guy who's going to slot towards the beginning of my rotation instead of in the back end of my rotation. Let's take a look at the White Sox guys now from 2005. Okay. Okay. Let's first look at Jose Contreras, who in 2003 joins the New York Yankees. And 
becomes a member of the White Sox in 2004. And then goes on his run in 05 and 06 when he is arguably one of the best, if not the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. In the years leading up to that run, Contreras' totals for 03 and 04, his whip was a 1.15 with a 3.12 FIP in 03. But in 04, his FIP had jumped to 5.27 with a whip of 1.468. Every indication would have told you, people would have been saying naysaying things at that moment. Look at this guy. He wasn't any good in 04. 03 was an anomaly. Hitters have caught up with him now that he's made it to the United States. He's never going to be that good as he was. The White Sox have a clunker here. And then in 04, a 4.56 FIP and a 1.54 whip confirms the idea that Jose Contreras is never going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And then Contreras in 05 and 06 has a whip in the 1.2s and a FIP in the low fours. He never even makes it, actually, to what Wheeler was doing. No, and he doesn't. That's and interesting. That's, and that's when he had his best years for the White Sox. Want to feel better about Zach Wheeler? Let's talk about Freddy Garcia. And I know there's a billion other stats, but I have to simplify. We're a half-hour show, and I just want to make a simple argument here. Okay? Freddy Garcia is playing for Seattle. Remember, he was like Ozzie Guillen's neighbor. The Sox got him in like a mid-season deal for in 04. Um, oh, for the catcher. Who was the catcher we traded? I uh, know who you're talking about, but I, yes, yes. Yeah, it okay. was a mid-season 04 deal. So, and I liked the deal when it happened. His totals in 04, very Wheeler-esque. Mid-threes of 3.67 with a 1.219 whip. The years before that, though, is Phipps in a four with his whip uh, right above the 1.3 scale. When he gets to the White Sox and in 2005... He actually posts a 1.25 whip, and his FIP is right at a 4, 4.05. That turns out being his best year with the White Sox, with the exception of 2009, when he had a FIP finally that got into the 3.35 range. Okay. Okay, but again, remember what I told about Zach Wheeler. If you compare Contreras or Garcia to Wheeler, which one looks better? Zach Wheeler looks better. Oh, yeah. Zach Wheeler looks better than both these guys. Remember what these guys did for us. Zach Wheeler looks better. There is potential with a Zach Wheeler, who, unlike these two guys, when we acquired them, is still in his 20s. I mean, he's 29, but he's younger than the two of them. So the potential is really there for him to become a star pitcher. These are the kind of guys you have to take a chance at in free agency because you're trying to find something. Finally, we'll look at everybody's favorite pitcher from that era, Mark Burley. We all love Mark Burley. I got pictures of Mark Burley on my wall. I got, got a, Mark a Mark Burley, Burley jersey. jersey. I love me some Mark Burley. Mark Burley's the best. Hunting with Mark Burley has to be on the top 10 of my bucket list. And I don't even hunt. I just want to drink beer while he's hunting. <laughs> okay, me and Joe Creedy. Because you know Joe Creedy just goes with Burley every once in a while. They get together like, you want to go hunting? No, nah, but I'll drink a case with you. That's what Joe Creedy does. Anyway, 2004, Mark Burley's got a 1.255 whip and a 4.17 FIP. And before that, his whip is higher and his FIP is, is around that same range. He's pretty consistent. But in 05, he's got a 3.42 FIP and a 1.18 whip. Very, very comparable to that of Zach Wheeler. When you're sitting around and thinking about who Zach Wheeler is, Zach Wheeler is equal to or better than the three big pitchers that you had in 2005 and in that era of White Sox baseball. 
That's what Zach Wheeler is. Now, and, and, and he has the potential. Because if you look at Garrett Cole's numbers, before Garrett Cole went to the Astros, he looks better than what Cole looked like before he went to the Astros. That's the potential the White Sox are looking at with Zach Wheeler. So if you're nervous about Zach Wheeler, don't be. Be more nervous that the Sox are going to miss out on him and you are going to see him all summer for the next several years in a Twins uniform. The Sox need to get this guy. Oh, that's it. You're like, you're speechless. No, well, no, you said it all. <laughs> no, you, you basically said it all. I didn't, I didn't mean to make you, I didn't mean to render no, you I was, speechless. You, you, no, you, you didn't render me speechless. You, you basically put a, a nice bow on everything that I was, that I was thinking. Now, here, just a couple of things about Wheeler that you that that could skew those stats a little bit. Oh, I know, I know that those aren't perfect, and I'm only using two stats. No, but and there's but, a good possibility it doesn't work out the way that I'm saying it could work out. But I'm just saying there's the potential. What you're looking, that you're looking at, at, what you're what you're looking at, what you're looking at there is, you know, could you have could those be skewed a little bit by the fact that you're dealing with. You're comparing a guy who's pitched in the National League versus three guys in Burley, uh, Contreras, and uh, Sweaty Freddy who were pitching in the American League for their whole time. With Whip, well, even you're even right. You get the pitcher, I mean, you, get you get a defensive the, player in the eighth spot in the National League, and I, you're right. Uh, right. National League pitchers have now, it easier than American League pitchers. Now the other thing anybody too who is, disagrees with me on that one, we can fight anytime. I don't necessarily know the dimensions of City Field if it is a home run hitters park or pitcher friendly park, but I, you know that could play into it a little bit also. Just to play devil, just to play devil's advocate about that. Do I do I want Wheeler? Yes. Absolutely. Please go get this guy. Go get him and another pitcher while you're at it right. because we need a couple of guys. But that's just my little devil's advocate to well, that remember, argument. I still like Madison Bumgarner a lot. There and are, he was my pick over Wheeler that I wanted to go get because of the experience and and the fact that he is an ace already. And yes, he has he is a 30 years old, but I I liked Bumgarner and I think the White Sox need to get one of those two guys on their team. We talked about this uh, a couple of you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I was kind of being sarcastic and somewhat tongue in cheek. But I mean, you know, looking at the list of free agent pitchers that are out there, there are tons and tons of guys that if you saw if if they missed out on Wheeler, but you saw some of these other guys in a White Sox uniform, you wouldn't necessarily be that upset about it. Now, I would be upset that if Wheeler, if we have to look at Wheeler in a Twins uniform for the next four years, yes, that would suck. But when you look at the list of free agent pitchers, there are a lot of guys out there that could fill what the White Sox need. You want to know a guy that's never had, except for one year where he had a 1.306 whip, never had since 2009 through 2019 a whip that was above 1.30 and consistently had a FIP in the threes or even the twos over that stretch of time and has not faltered from it and is consistent, it's Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. And you know what? I would love it if the White Sox all of a sudden announced they had him. Like, I would love it when everybody sees Wheeler and it's a smokescreen. 
I mean, that would get me pumped up for the front office because they're throwing people off. Yeah. Like, I want I want the Sox to be sneaky in free agency and in the offseason with their moves. That's well, what you I want. have to. But the, you have to. The best. Listen. Because right now, Wheeler's exposed. The problem is too much has gotten out now, and now the agent is going to get another competing offer where somebody's going to up their offer because it's been too long. Within, the next, couple, too with long. It, within the next couple of days. Yeah, this right? is going on way because too now, long. Because if, the he's not thing, signed, if he's not signed by the time the weekend's over, I don't believe the White Sox gets Zach Wheeler. Right, because the Yomer thing happened, what, yesterday? And so you need, what is it, 48 hours in order to clear be, that roster yeah. spot? Was that what it was? Yeah, I said Wheeler by Thanksgiving, and I st- and I think that if Wheeler's not by Thanksgiving, I don't know if they're going to get him because Ooh. now there's two, now you're getting into a bidding war you might not want to be in. Who knows what's going on right now, but I would imagine that everybody is feeling like this is either going to be done or we're going to be moving on after the Thanksgiving holiday or something else. The greatest thing the White Sox did, though, was going and getting their left-handed catcher that helps their pitchers and is going to be good well, at the switch, plate and everything. Switch, switch, switch hitting, hitting guy. The, that was the best thing they did because what they did is now they can sit back and they can wait on right field. There's so many right fielders. They can sit back down. They can concentrate on that high-end rotation pitching guy and then swing back around and get the lower thing. They took care of the most important part early so that they can now sit there and, and take their time and get the right guy. And they can also walk away from a guy and say, you know what? We're done playing games with you because so-and-so is close enough to you. We're going to go get him. Because I don't think the White Sox want to get to the end of this offseason without filling the four needs that they said in the press. They made too many problems for themselves saying one thing and not getting it last offseason. So if they say two pitchers and one, they say one right fielder a DH and, and a right fielder, right. They, they've, they've basically taken care of DH with the move that they went with Grandel. They're going to get the other three come hell or high water. And I, I think that they are moving right now on trying to get that second thing. They, they are on a schedule, and I love it. And if you didn't notice, there has been an update to the Socks in the Basement website at SocksInTheBasement.com. You can now read analysis by Steve Paradzinski, who is now writing on our page, where sometimes he will kind of expand on things that we talk about on the show, maybe dispute something that we talk about on the show, which I am very, very excited about. Dave? Yes, sir. Have a good Thanksgiving? Yes, you too. We may talk over the weekend if Zach Wheeler or somebody gets signed. Let's hope so. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.